I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is up, internet? Welcome to episode 145 of the Syrupcast. I am once again not Igor Bonifacic, as I'm sure you've noticed. He's still trying to get big in Japan. He'll be back eventually, so so don't worry. Um, instead, you're stuck with me, Patrick O'Rourke, this time. So this week, we're going to take a look at what I like to call the double Xs of products. First, we're going to talk about the iPhone X, and then we're also going to talk about the Xbox One X. Um, so I have, once again, an interesting cast of characters with me from the Mobile Syrup team. To my right is Bradley Shankar. How are you doing today, Brad? Pretty good, thank you. How are you? Awesome. And to his right is Samir Chabra. I'm feeling kooky and wacky today. And, and I didn't call your, I didn't say your last name, Chabra. Well, you did it that time, but that's okay. Cool, cool, cool. And, and beside Samir is Rose Bahar. Uh, hello, hello. I'm looking forward to this X-rated podcast. It's, it's missing one X away from, from that, I think. It's close, though. <laughs> Triple X? It's actually, if you count all the Xs in Xbox One X, you can uh, get more. Oh, oh, you could, yeah. Mine's blown. I know. We, we, we need to turn that into a podcast headline somehow. <laughs> so moving on to the iPhone X, um, I went down to New York to pick it up. I had an Apple briefing. We've published my review in progress. I think I'm pretty resoundingly positive about the device. Uh, but what I wanted to do sort of was gauge what all of you think about the iPhone X so far. Um, I know Rose in particular has some interesting opinions, especially about the display, which I felt was one of the best the best parts of the phone, the Samsung manufactured iPhone 10 display. Um, I got to start stop calling it the X. I noticed that I've been doing that. I call it the X as well. And then I just look foolish because other people res- refer to it by its proper name. It's so hard not to because I think it's a better... To me, it yeah. sounds, it's a better name. Especially on this podcast when we're going to be talking about the Xbox One X, but then the iPhone Ten. Yeah, that's so true too. They, they might get become interchangeable. And by the time people listen to this, both of my reviews about the iPhone Ten and the iPhone... <laughs> the iPhone Ten and the Xbox One X will be live on, on Mobile Syrup. Um, the iPhone Xbox yeah, One X. I, I had to think about that. Yeah. And what I was going to say is like when I've been doing the... The Xbox X review, I've actually been calling it the iPhone sometimes and then having to go back and change it. It's, it's very confusing. <laughs> Anyways, let, let's actually talk about what we're supposed to be talking about. Um, so, Rose, first first of all, just sort of give us your initial impressions of the the uh, Xbox iPhone X. All right. So, I came in and I was already feeling a little salty about the iPhone X or X um, for a couple of, you know, sort of more journalism-related reasons, um, mostly related to the fact that they... And this just wasn't just for us, but they gave the phones to reviewers with an extremely tight turnaround. In fact, almost immorally tight in in the way that you couldn't get a good sense of the device before the embargo lifted. Yeah, that's true. And I, I just didn't think that was very cool of them to do to, to reviewers. And I'm not really great for consumers either because they, they when they first see all of this coverage, they're not getting... Uh, a lot of um, you know people who have had the phone for a very long time. Having said that, so 
when you came in with the phone. Um, I, I actually had an instinctive sort of dislike for the design, which I know a lot of people really love about it, but I feel that it's a little bit chunky. I think it looks perhaps a little dated, even despite the screen. Like the screen obviously looks very modern, but the sides, the stainless steel sides, I know that's a throwback, but I think it looks chunky. And um, I also don't really like kind of the milky white color that they have for the the lighter ceramic. Um, then the dis- display itself, I know you had it on True Tone, uh, but I wasn't a big fan of just how like warm and pinkish those particular colors were. So I think I would have to take a little longer of a look at it, but from but visually, it wasn't really impressed. And I know that a number of other things are at issue, but most people like the visual look and feel of this iPhone, and I, I found I didn't. I think those are, are fair criticisms. I mean, I I kind of, for the most part, take the, the opposite opinion. Um, like, I, I really liked the fact that it's kind of a throwback to the 3GS. I thought that was a nice-looking phone. Um, I remember way back when I thought it was strange that Apple sort of went to the more boxy design and then kind of backed the curved design again. So it's kind of cool to see them throw back to this like aluminum edges. I had some criticisms of of that feature, that sort of design flair. Um, Specifically, I'm worried that it's going to get really scratched because that was a huge issue with the 3GS. Uh, Any generation of stainless steel Apple Watch, it gets really scratched. Um, Now I should mention that you can actually polish that out if you get like jewelry polish. Not that I've done this with a stainless steel Apple Watch. I don't know from experience. I don't experience. believe you for a minute. I think you're at your <laughs> kitchen table just polishing up iPhone product, Apple products. That's what I do. That's that's my uh, my part time side job. Um, so yeah, there was a, some things that I didn't. I I, I I'm sort of uh, wondering what they're going to look like in in a couple months in terms of the phone. But my initial impressions were were definitely resoundingly positive. I think one of the the main problems with the device now, um, even though I like the notch is the fact that so few apps are optimized to feature the notch. And I think that that was something that I went into in, in pretty significant detail in the review. Um, so apps like Twitter, YouTube, I think Facebook's also optimized. The main, the core, like the big the big 10 or the big five, whatever you want to call them, all the main social media apps are optimized so that the, the full display is used uh, to the full effect. Whereas other apps, it's kind of cut off, right? And they haven't optimized it. And it's unclear how long it's going to take uh, app developers to optimize to that point. So that was my biggest issue. But Samir, you're being quiet. What do you think about the 10? So yeah, I'll um, I'll echo a lot of what Rose said about the design. Uh, right off the bat, I think I've been a vocal critic of the surfboard design uh, on this podcast a number of times. I know I've been a vocal critic of the surfboard design that Apple's run with since the iPhone 6 and obviously the uh, the first iPhone. What don't, you uh, the like about, what don't you like about the surfboard design? Just so out of curiosity. It's, it's, it's actually kind of funny. It's not that I... Okay, yes, I dislike it. I think it's just the fact that it, it looks so dated and it looks so old. I like that sort of f- retro-futuristic design where everything is, is, is very flat and everything okay. is very, uh, very boxy. I like those boxy designs. And I still argue that the iPhone 5S... Um, with that gorgeous fingerprint sensor on it, um, which I'll get to in a second. I promise you guys I'm going to get to it in a second. Um, is probably the best-looking iPhone that Apple's ever released. And that's one of the ones when it was still sort of a little blocky, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. That was the last one where... That, that, yeah, that was the last iPhone that was blocky because then the 6 went back to that surfboard that was established by the first iPhone. And I 
I, I'm not really fully sure why Apple's in love with that design so much. Um, maybe it's just a matter of uh, adhering to a very specific design trend established by Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive with the first iPhone. Um, but I think the fact that we're looking at another uh, curvy, weird surfboard-looking phone after the 6 released all those years ago is a little annoying, frankly. But I, I so I will say this. I like using... Uh, of course, on your phone, I like using the multitasking features. I like the way that they've gotten rid of that home button. Um, I, along with a lot of people, were skeptical about how iPhone was, sorry, iOS was going to be manipulated uh, without that home button, considering it's been a staple since literally 2007. But yeah, I, I like the way you can switch between apps. I like the way that you can just kind of like flick between uh, previous apps. It's really cool. But on the subject of Touch ID and the fingerprint sensor, um, I'm very concerned about Face ID. I think that's uh, that that that's something that I've said a lot in the office, and I mentioned it once or twice in the podcast. We may or may not be publishing a story soon about we, Face ID. We we may or may not be. So yes, when this podcast is out, uh, a feature, a privacy feature about iPhone X's Face ID, um, looking at the various ways that various levels of law enforcement and, of course, the various privacy legislation in Canada is going to be influenced by Face ID. Um, but I will say this. I thought it was going to be a very quick, a very efficient, very effective mode of unlocking. But Patrick, yesterday when you were showing me how yes. Face ID worked, there was a little... No, that's not true. There was a lot of lag. So maybe maybe you can touch on that yeah, also sure. to explain why that may have happened. So uh, I'll, I'll talk about the gestures really quick first. That was something that I was concerned about. I think that the, the gestures actually work quite well. There hasn't been one in particular that I haven't sort of built up the muscle memory to get used to using after just a couple of days with the phone. But I think they're gonna they're gonna frustrate some people. Like when you pick yeah. up that phone and it doesn't automatically make sense to you because you're used to using an iPhone in a very certain way. There and, is a there is a learning curve, and that's why people buy iPhones in large exactly. part is to is because they're familiar with that ecosystem and so, how it works. I mean, I think it's cool because it's different, and a lot of it for me is actually a little more intuitive than just using the standard uh, home button. Um, but we'll have to see like what the general populace thinks about it. Um, and then to your questions about Face ID. Um, so when I, I first set it up in the back of a cab driving to the airport uh, because I had very little time with the device, so I wanted to get it up and running before I got on the plane. Um, and the setup process was really simple. And the way Face ID works is it scans your face once the first time, um, then it scans it again a second time, and then that's sort of the data that's being stored in Apple's secure enclave. Um, and then after that, the way that it works is every time, like if, if you're wearing glasses or you have a hood on or you have a hat on, it's not going to unlock until it's able to gather that information with those like items on your face. So the more you use it, the better it becomes. So yesterday when I was showing it to you, Samir, um, I had just reset it the night before to take some photos of the setup process. So it had me, um, I think I, I set it up with a hood on really late at night in poor lighting, uh, wearing glasses. And then yesterday I didn't have glasses on. So those first few logins um, were, was when I wasn't wearing glasses. Um, so the more you use it, the better it gets, but I still think that that's like now it works perfectly. Like I I've had it with a hat on, I've had it with a hat on backwards. I've had, I've logged in with like wearing two different types of glasses. Um, I've logged in under different lighting conditions. It's great. Like it, it's really quick now, but I think for some people, 
they're they're going to get frustrated with it very quickly because touch id just works right away right there's no there's no this there's none of this like learning process so i think that's a fair criticism just even looking beyond the security concerns that that your piece is well the subject of those security concerns though now that you're saying that face id is working well how concerned are you about the rcmp infringing on your rights when you're in a holding cell um from a purely like (laughs) from a purely like personal perspective i don't really have anything to hide on my phone so i don't care but from from like a broader top-down view i can understand why that would be an issue for a lot of people like okay. I, I can totally acknowledge that um but moving on brad i i know that that you're not the phone guy on the team but i'm interested to sort of hear what your thoughts are on on the 10 uh just from 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 like a broader pulled back perspective as someone who doesn't really follow this stuff as closely uh well samir kind of touched on my main uh worry i guess which was which was with the privacy issues uh that was definitely something that because especially for me like the face id is not something i personally care for at all it's not something i would ever really use uh or i never really asked to have included in the phone so the fact that that's there and that's that was an issue uh like a privacy issue did kind of concern me a little bit um you kind of touched on that already uh i did find it interesting with the the price of the phone because obviously it is very pricey but as you've mentioned in your reviews and like your hands-on coverage it's like it's kind of where phones seem to be going in that direction like the high-end phones anyways yeah I, I mean i do think the price is crazy and i'm not trying to be like like an apple apologist as their commenters often like to accuse me of being <laughs> but samsung was first to hit this price point with the note 8 and the plus version of apple's phones have almost hit this price point for the last couple of years so I know that this is more, but it's like $200 more or $150 more. It's not this massive leap from like a $500 phone to a $1,000 phone um, that I saw like a lot of mainstream news outlets reporting. But it is hitting this tipping point where actually Best Buy is now starting to do something interesting that we talked yes. about today, wherein um, you can purchase an iPhone X or a Samsung Galaxy Note 8 on a premium phone contract. And then if you'd rather not pay that extra about $600 that you need to pay down in order to do that subsidized contract, you can double down on your subsidizing and do another payment of around $25 a month. Which makes no sense to me. To so, clarify, that was, that's with their Best Buy credit card. That's with their yeah. Best Buy credit card? Yeah. Thank uh, you. So yeah. it's, that's through Desjardins, but that's like mm-hmm. the card that you have to apply for with Best Buy yeah. to get that financing option. We reported that Staples is doing a similar thing with the iPhone 8 and the 8 Plus. Um, I don't think in the same exact way, but they're offering financing plans, I think, through their like Staples credit card as well. Because it has come to a point where paying for about half of your your phone upright uh, outright is is still like as much as a one plus five or something like that you know like it's still about the cost of a of a full uh, device like the two-year pricing for the iphone 10 isn't it like 800 dollars or something close to that is it's pretty close 700 wasn't it uh, yeah i think I it was closer to that yeah yeah but still a ton of money right yeah mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, does anyone else want to add anything uh, in particular about the iPhone 10 or shall we move on to the other X of the conversation? <laughs> well, I mean, how did you like the camera so far? Is it, uh, yeah, that, that was something that I didn't end up spending a ton of time with, uh, just cause I only had 24 yep. hours with the phone. I've yep. used it quite a bit more now. Um, the experience is identical to, uh, the iPhone eight because it's pretty much the same camera. I think the, the main differences are the portrait features. Um, so the different lighting, like the contour lighting and um, 
the silhouette lighting and stuff like that, that's all available on the front-facing camera, which I think makes that feature much more useful for people that are really into taking selfies. Um, and I know that these are, are things that you can do in Photoshop or things that you can even do in apps that are readily available on, on iOS and Android. Um, but having it built directly into the, the camera app and kind of having that Apple level of flair and quality on it um, kind of democratizes the ability to do these little tweaks to photos and stuff like that. So I think it's cool that it's on the front-facing camera. Um, but in general, the experience, it's like it's the same as the iPhone 8, which is a great camera, probably one of the best cameras out there. Um, but if you gave me a photo of the S8, the Note 8, the Pixel, and uh, the iPhone 10, I, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you which one was which. I would say that like maybe this photo looks a little more true to life on the iPhone, um, on the iPhone 8, 10. Same with the iPhone 8 because it's the same camera, same specs. And then if you showed me the Pixel, uh, I would probably have similar comments about it. But then if I looked at Samsung's, I would say that the colors look punched up. It's a little more um, fantastical. Like it's not true to life colors. So it all like the, we've talked about this before, but it all comes down to like your, your personal preference of what you want from from a photo. Because uh, camera phones are also great at this point like if you're buying a high-end phone you're going to get a decent camera for the most part except nobody wants to use the v30s camera <laughs> that's true or the essential phone people are pretty down on the essential phones camera. right because they i mean and it comes down to software yeah yeah interesting um, well i mean is it worth it to get it uh, <laughs> so so that's one of the things that like i've been struggling with with the review because it, it's a really good phone um, it's probably one of my favorite phones that I've ever used, but I don't think that I would ever myself be able to drop that much money on a smartphone when there's other devices out there that are considerably cheaper that offer a similar experience. Um, so I think for some people it, it'll be definitely worth it, but for others, like just get a one plus five or get a similar phone, uh, a similar high end phone that, um, that doesn't cost a thousand three hundred dollars. That's fair. Yeah. Well, actually, sorry, I know we got to move on to the Xbox One X, but so would you necessarily recommend the iPhone 10 over the iPhone 8 Plus? I think I, yeah, I think I would actually recommend the 10 over the 8 Plus just because the price difference isn't that significant. Like if you're already dropping over $1,000 on a phone, just drop another 200 and get the phone that um, is, a, I would argue, significantly nicer looking, uh, flashier, like the, the all glass body to me looks much better on the 10. I do like the bezels on the sides, despite my concerns regarding uh, sort of build quality of them and, and scratchability. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I would totally just recommend getting the 10 over the plus. I think if the price was larger, like the difference, the difference between them, the disparity was bigger, probably not. Uh, but because they're pretty close in price within, I think, without doing the math, like 200, maybe $150, it, it's definitely worth, the, worth that, I think. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll move on to the Xbox One X now, the, the second X device of the conversation. It's crazy they're coming out on the same day. I was thinking about that this morning. It's like almost it's almost like they planned it. Um, so yeah, the, the, I'll intro the Xbox One X a little bit, and then I'll hand it off to Brad, who also was lucky enough to get his hands on one. Um, so he'll drop his sort of opinion and impressions on the device. Um, so the Xbox One X is this mid-generation update to the original Xbox. It's significantly more powerful. And the big push with it is the fact that it's able to support 4K and, and high dynamic range, which are the two new... Um, high dynamic range is a little newer, but uh, the two new sort of formats of video and, and where gaming seems to be going. Um, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure if 
4K makes sense for gaming. I've seen a lot of different arguments about that over the years, that the power of this box could be used in a different way, not for just up things, but improving the quality of 1080p visuals and, and just general more fidelity um, on standard definition, not sta- on high definition devices. Uh, but yeah, Brad, you've been using it for quite a while, like a couple of days now. We've had it for about a week. About yeah. a week or so. <clears throat> what are your early early impressions of the device? Uh, so right out of the bat, uh, right out of the gate, rather, they've done a really good job of, uh, getting a lot of publishers to commit support to the Xbox One X. Like we're, we're going to touch on it in our review as well, but, uh, I was comparing numbers and like the PlayStation 4 Pro, which is the main competitor in the console space to the Xbox One X, because it's Sony's, uh, mid-generation update to the PlayStation 4, which released last September, uh, last year, um, the PlayStation 4 Pro, uh, over a year later, only has about 70 games yeah. uh, that are going to be enhanced by the Pro. That are either released or ones that are coming out next year, like Spider-Man or God of War. Whereas the Xbox One X, right out of the bat, has about 130 games, over 130 games uh, for support uh, and growing. So already, you know, they've got a, a lot more support on that front. Uh, and obviously, because it's a more uh, more powerful system, they can get more out of those games as well. Yeah, and then that was one of the things. Like, I'm I'm still working on the the, the ten review, and you helped me out a bit with it, uh, the X review, and, <laughs> and you helped me out about this is going to happen like a million times, and you helped me out with it. Um, but I I think that was one of the main things that I noticed beyond just the game amount of games that support it beyond that disparity, is the fact that uh, so few PS4 Pro games actually play in native 4K. Mm-hmm. They use this technique called um, checkerboarding, where it essentially, without going into the nitty gritty details of it, it essentially just makes 4k run but it's not really 4k no it, it just makes it run on a system that's less powerful and you don't notice sort of that uh, the same level of, vi- of visual fidelity as you would if it was actually running in true 4k and even like for a comparison like for one example like the uh middle earth shadow of war is like one of the marquee uh third party games for xbox one x in terms of like it's one of the few like native 4k hdr uh the whole shebang and on ps4 pro it's also enhanced but they only the only enhancement it offers is 4K cinematics that you had to download a patch. Oh, for. really? So, I didn't even know that. Uh, I, I mentioned that in the review, yeah. But whereas oh. on Xbox One X, it's the full gamut. You know, it's full 4K, uh, HDR, like dynamic lighting, all that jazz. Um, so you can kind of see the differences. Even in the same game is enhanced on both, you can see just how different it is. Yeah, and, and in some ways, like, I, I reviewed the PS4 Pro, and I kind of said that, like, this is buying into a promise. You're buying into the hope that Sony's going to release, uh, going, going to push third-party developers and their second-party studios to sort of, as well as their first-party studios, to sort of include these features in games. You're buying the... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today promise um and i think with microsoft and the xbox one x that promise seems a little better like they're Mm -hmm. just offering more but i think one of the concerns is whether or not um well i i guess for us like we we have it early and and there's sort of this um 
I guess, uh, filter that you can go to where it shows you which games have been enhanced. Yeah, and, the and that list settings. that list is pretty small right now, right? Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of games. Could you talk about some of the games that you have been able to try so far? Yeah, so, yeah, like Patrick said, a lot of the games that we've uh, gotten or that we've already had haven't gotten the update yet, which has made it a little difficult to talk about some of the bigger games or they, in 4K. Or they haven't been released. Too. Yeah, That's or they haven't been thing. released. Yeah, like I was talking about Shadow of War, like, as of last night that hasn't yet been updated so i have the game on xbox one and i reviewed it on original xbox one but i haven't been able to look at how it is in 4k i did play it in 4k at a preview event last year or sorry uh last month and it did look very good uh but i haven't actually played the full game but to speak to the games that are there um it's a lot of older games uh admittedly like uh gears of war 4 which only came out last year so that's not too old but they using backwards compatibility, which is a great feature that they added with the Xbox One. Uh, you have some of the 360 games that are playable on Xbox One and not get 4K enhancements. So there's Halo 3, which looks very good. Um, two Disney games that used to be on Connect. I believe it's yeah, Disneyland it's, Adventures and I wonder, Rush, a Disney Adventure, I think it's what it's called. I think I was uh, thinking about it today, today and I was wondering why they chose those games. Yeah, I found that very interesting because admittedly they do look rather good, especially because they're coming from six or seven years ago on older hardware. Yep. Uh, so the the difference is v- much more pronounced than a game like Gears of War, which already looked good uh, that we saw last year. But I did find those games very interesting because besides just they were originally Connect games that they've kind of removed the Connect functionality because uh, RIP Connect died last last week. <laughs> um, but uh, it is interesting because, you know, this device is obviously more for like the hardcore gamer and these games are so kids, kid-oriented. Uh, like, like the... Like Disneyland Adventures, like you're literally roaming around a recreation of Disneyland, and you which get is to, which is cool, but not yeah. necessarily the game for that the demographic someone, yeah, that would exactly. buy the Xbox One X. So I found that interesting yeah. that those are two of like the the prettiest games, and to to their credit, they did a really good job of making them look better. Yeah. But it's like, who are they for, really? Like it was kind of I like Disney movies. It was kind of cool to see. Oh, there's you know Buzz Lightyear, there's Woody, but it, who's it for? Yeah, it's kind of. So I, I, I tried Gears of War 4, I tried Super Lucky's Tale, and I tried Killer Instinct. They all look great. Like, they look crazy on a, a 4K television that's running, like, true, real HDR. Uh, not the HDR that they just slap on televisions that doesn't actually exist. Like, HDR10, mm-hmm. the one that um, the, the new Xbox One X supports. And I, I thought they all looked really good, but it would be nice to be able to check out some of the more, like, high-profile games that are coming out, like Battlefront, Call of Duty, World War II, Wolfenstein, The New Order... Um, you talked about Middle Earth, Shadow yeah. of War. That would be awesome true to, to see as well because I think that that's the true test, these sort of games that are not Halo 3, which came out, like, I don't even know how long ago. Like I, I want to say it was, like, 2007 yeah. on the 360. So yeah. a really, really long time ago. Like, it's cool. It, it, great fan service that they got up at, that up and running. It was a, a little bit janky, actually, when I was playing it. Um, but it, it's awesome that it's there. It looks really good. I think that's fascinating that they did that super cool fan service but i want to see like the big marquee mm-hmm. games um and i think that's something that we won't be able to really delve into in a review just because those 4k updates aren't out yet but we will be updating it in the future um but i want to hear from rose and samir um i know that you guys aren't huge gamers and that the xbox one x essentially it's it's targeting people like brad and i um i'm a little less hardcore on the gaming stuff than i used to be but it, it still targets me like this is i'm the person who microsoft wants to buy this thing right um i guess i'm curious is like the xbox one x even on your radars is something that you would even consider buying um you probably don't even have the first xbox one right so like you know what i mean would would you buy this over the regular xbox 
Rose, do you want to do you want to oh, answer that first? Well, or? I mean, I'll have you know that I have a very dusty Xbox 360 in my household. That is awesome. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I guess this is not something that I would be considering. I just don't have the funds or the passion to invest in that um and probably not the 4k tv either because no one has 4K, 4k tvs no no i do not have that so um but you know what i'll, I'll pass it over to samir uh yeah no so pat i mean patrick you, you kind of touched on all the reasons why i wouldn't necessarily get the xbox one x yeah. and i'll answer the question right off the bat no i'm i'm not gonna get it at all um i'm certainly not gonna buy it that is am i interested in it i am i am for a very different reason than a gamer might be, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it and interested in it for a very different reason than Brad's interested in it. I'm curious to see what this kind of consumer level hardware is going to encourage in developers. And I don't mean game developers. I mean uh, hardware developers. I mean product uh, and, 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 and uh, app developers. I, so again, this was always, you know, the Project Scorpio problem um, for me was that Project Scorpio in my mind, was supposed to be this awesome, uh, really more or less gaming PC in a in a in a console uh, box. Sure, yeah. And that's not what it ended up being, and that's fine. I, I I'll move past that. But you know, for ex- instance, the uh, the American military pieced together a supercomputer using a bunch of PlayStation threes. You know, all those years ago. I remember that. Story. Yeah, so it's a crazy story, right? That's very strange. You wouldn't expect that kind of thing. So I'm I'm looking forward for that kind of weird stuff to come out. Because that's the, that's the thing that's going to certainly interest me. Because, again, this level of hardware in a device that only costs $600, and I'm saying only for, for PC standards, um, that's cheap. That's really cheap. Find a way to get that to run a, a consumer-grade operating system. Find a way to get that to run full Windows 10. Hook up a TV to oh, that's it. That's interesting. So do you mean like Microsoft not doing these things necessarily, but people like getting the box oh, yeah. in their yeah, hands sorry. and doing uh, creative uh, stuff? Yes, okay. that's what's that's sure. yeah, so Microsoft not, not doing these things, but like, you know, that random second year software engineering student in Waterloo who has his Xbox One X and is just bored one afternoon, one weekend, and decides to turn it into a supercomputer. I want to see if that's possible. Um, he makes Doom run on it. Because that's what everybody <laughs> does with everything. They make Doom run on things. Well, now, hold on. Brad, help me out here. Doom is probably eventually going to come to the Xbox One X and like True 4K, I, I think right? it's an enhanced game. Yeah, it is going to be an enhanced yeah. Yeah, Okay, well, there yeah, you go. So, that's one of the big supporters. Uh, that's the new Doom, though. Not, not the Doom. Oh, the no, Doom 2016, right, yeah. to be clear. Yeah. I'm talking about Doom 1993, I so, think. So, just to fully reiterate, I'm... I, I, I'm, I'm really happy for you guys, and I'm going to let you finish, because you guys definitely should finish this podcast and this discussion, <laughs> but the Xbox One X is currently technically one of the most powerful and affordable consumer-grade PCs, potential PCs on the market, and I want people to start transforming that thing into a proper computer. That would be cool, yeah. I'm also interested to see if this helps, like... Okay, so a lot of people just got 1080p TVs, particularly in Canada, because they're a little bit behind the states in terms of high-definition adoption. Um, I, I'm interested to see if this in any way moves the needle uh, for 4K adoption. I think it will like a little bit for people like me. I, I went out and bought a 4K television, um, not just for this review, but for uh, the Apple TV 4K review as well. Um, so I'm wondering if there's more people out there that are kind of waiting on the, uh, waiting on the fence, trying to see if there's a reason to upgrade their televisions. Um, I think there's probably a few out there, but not a lot. Like I, I know Brad, you also bought a 4K TV because yeah. you were going to be. Well, I can again. This is always anecdotal, but from what I've seen, uh, like at Best Buy and with my friends or whatever, I've I've seen, uh, especially in the past year, the adoption definitely has been increasing. 
obviously I don't have like specific numbers to speak to that, but from my experience, I've seen a lot of people, more people buying 4K TVs. I think you kind of mentioned it uh, earlier with HDR. It's important to note that some uh, like HDR 10 is the standard that the Xbox one X supports. uh, And if you don't have one that supports that, uh, then you won't be able to take advantage of the full capabilities. That was one mistake I made. I originally bought a TV that it was a Samsung TV that said HDR premium which I thought was the full that's, HDR, but it's not. No, that's their um, like yeah, original market, standard. Yeah, it's yeah, like marketing, marketing speak to make it sound like it's like true full HDR, but uh, it's HDR Pro is actually what uh, like Samsung and LG sometimes refer to as HDR10. Yes, is, HDR Pro is another term for that. So then I did get the right TV. Uh, one thing the Xbox One X does do very well is there in the settings uh, there is a checklist that you can pull up, and it'll basically like scan your TV and. Uh, say okay you can play games in 4k you can play them in hdr you can play media 4k like blu-ray uh 4k blu-rays etc and you'll get green check marks beside all of them if your tv supports it that's how i found out that my tv was not support it because it was just a bunch of red x's yeah the the setup process was really easy i mean Mm -hmm. even the transfer process was was pretty simple like you put all of your stuff on an external hard drive and and sort of yeah plug it into the new xbox and you're good to go if you want to transfer it over a network connection that's cool too um, that took me a long time, but that's because I have so many games. Yeah. That's a, the ultimate first world problem there. Um, but I, I think you touched on something too, is just like a lot of with this sort of new tech, uh, in, especially in terms of HDR, is the fact that like HDR doesn't make sense yet. Mm-hmm. In many ways, there's tons of television manufacturers that are just throwing HDR in the box to try to sell TVs um, when it's really not either of the two new like real high-end hdr standards which are which you, you mentioned before hdr 10 um and then dolby sort of premium one dolby vision um which even less devices support so it's still a bit of a bit of a mess um right now and a lot um, of people don't really know the difference either like when no. like clearly, obviously i made that mistake too but when i told the story to everyone like oh how's the xbox i'm like oh i can't take full advantage of it because i bought the wrong tv i did the same uh, thing i did the exact same yeah. thing i bought a samsung television on boxing day last year actually mm-hmm. that i thought was great and i thought it was going to support everything that i needed got it home looked at the box was like wait a minute this isn't what i thought it was looked up the tv didn't support hdr 10 or dolby vision um and then i returned it and, mm-hmm. and eventually bought a new one a couple months later when i found another one on sale so i think it's something that especially leading into the holiday season a lot of people if they're looking to upgrade their 4K TV, are going to fall for this like marketing yeah. lingo stuff that's going on with with television. And a lot of people I spoke to that I know work at Best Buy, like they didn't even like when I was telling them the specifics of how I made that mistake, like they weren't even aware of that difference. So, uh, like they weren't in t- the TV department, of course, so they didn't really know that. So the average like person probably doesn't know a bit great deal of the difference, which obviously isn't Microsoft's fault in selling the device, but it is something to keep in mind if you're looking to buy a 4k tv either for this or just in general and i think samir's point was interesting too seeing what people do with the box after it's out in terms of like homebrew and and development and stuff like that um and it it may also i i don't think microsoft will actually encourage it uh but they did with the connect which was interesting there's a lot of fascinating homebrew projects with the connect that people sort of put together well and i don't uh somewhat of a shameless self-plug but uh i did a a feature recently interviewing the entertainment software association of canada president uh jason hilchey they did a conference in ottawa where they basically looked at how canadian video game companies uh are using video games uh to push innovation in other sectors so the connect was one of those examples where they would use it uh to help um I forget the specific situation with the Kinect, uh, but they also use the HoloLens as well, which uses uh, technology yeah, from the Kinect 
and there was this company in uh, Port Coquitlam, uh, British Columbia, that uses uh, HoloLens to basically create holographic models for Packard, which is one of the largest trucking companies in the world. So instead of having to print 3D clay models, which obviously is costly, uses materials, etc., they can just use HoloLens holograms. And that's just, you know, taking ideas from video games, not necessarily core video game technology, but even just the cool concepts behind it and applying it there. So I do kind of, uh, am interested in what Samir's saying, you know, taking that video game tech and that video game design philosophies and kind of... Well, it's basically a PC. You can hook a mouse and keyboard up to it. Basically. <laughs> basically, basically, yeah. yeah totally. Basically, so, just a yeah. few more steps. Um, so yeah, I mean, just in closing, I think that the, there is kind of a correlation between these two devices that I think they're designed for a very specific type of consumer and a very specific type of enthusiast. They're targeting like the sort of hardcore demographic, like whether it's hardcore Apple fans or or hardcore gamers. Um, so they're kind of these little niche devices. Well, and what we were that talking are really little, but they're still niche. <laughs> well, sorry to cut you off, but That's like fine. what we were talking about, uh, like we were listening to some of the IGN has the Unlocked podcast, which is the Xbox podcast, and they have Phil Spencer on a lot, head of Xbox, who's very good. He's very candid and goes on these podcasts and talks a lot about it. Uh, and uh, earlier this year, he was talking with. Uh, the podcast crew and he's basically saying that like you know their expectations are tempered with this like they know it's a premium product they know it's not going to sell millions and millions and millions uh that's what the xbox one s is for like you know they it's at a lower price than ever they have a bunch of different models like the minecraft one the shadow of war one to that's appeal. a really good bundle yeah too, the price tag of that uh, awesome. like because obviously like we were talking about like the average younger person like a child or even a teenager probably wouldn't be interested in this or it wouldn't be their kind of thing so that way parents you know can still buy them yeah. a minecraft bundle or yeah even like a fifa bundle or i don't think madden sorry is the one that they have for xbox so you know it's just different options for people this really is for the console gamer that cares yeah. about fidelity which i think is a very small demographic because a lot of people that are into that sort of thing they already own like a big powerful pc gaming rig mm-hmm. right um so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it sells uh, but yeah, I, I think we're slowly running out of time. So let's go to the best part of the podcast, shoutouts. Who would like to go first? Opening up the shoutouts bag, I shall go first. My shoutout is to the Razer phone, which actually looks really dope. It does. It has a 4,000 milliampere battery and 120 uh, hertz refresh rate, which should reduce blur. And it just... It looks like an exciting little powerhouse of a phone. So a question about the 120 hertz mm-hmm. refresh rate. Does that run at all times or is that something that is only need to be enabled in, in specific apps? That's a very good question. Have they, they probably haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not sure of that answer, okay. but it is interesting. I know you were pointing out that it was kind of like Apple's promotion. Promotion thing, which, yeah. which is cool, but like no developers have taken advantage of it. There's so right. few apps that right. use it um, and it's only on the iPad. So I'm, I'm just curious if it's going to be the same Yeah, whether it will thing. actually be. We'll have to see. Yeah. Samir. All right, I've got a bit of a bit of a long one. I would like to shout out the Toronto Police Services, the RCMP, um, goodness me, uh, the CCLU, the Canadian Civil Liberties, uh, sorry, CCLA, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, Open Media, and I feel like I'm forgetting one more, and that's kind of embarrassing. Mom. I'd like to, th- pardon? Mom. <laughs> oh, no, we're, 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 ignoring, we're moving past that one. Oh. No. Oh. You know what? All right, all right, all right. All right. I'm like going to audio- send that audio clip to your mom of you saying, Mama Chabra. Oh, my goodness. I, yes, thank, thank you, mom, also. Um, uh, I, I'd like to thank all of these groups for reaching out to me, for, sorry, for connecting with me when I reached out to them to ask them a series of very hypothetical questions about whether or not the iPhone 10 is going to eventually infringe upon our privacy rights. Thank you all. <laughs> it's a great story. 
if I'm not wrong, you did discuss that story with your mother, right? I did. No, I did. And she was actually interested in it, which is so thank you, you for being here. Applications mom. Outside of just, She's you know. also going to know about it when I send her the audio file of him <laughs> saying that he, he wants to skip over talking about his mom. <laughs> did you send her the Sorry Mom podcast? I should have done that too. Yeah. Oh, goodness. What, what, what have I got myself into? Things to remember. Uh, so, Brad, what's your shout out? Uh, I was going to shout out this. Uh, great video game book that I just finished yesterday, but I'm going to shout out uh, two people instead that is more important. I want to shout out Rose and Patrick, who are here with us right now, because, you know, as we mentioned, Patrick uh, kind of had to, very last minute, you know, go to New York and put this whole iPhone uh, 10 review together, as well as the uh, Xbox One, both in the same week, so he was very hectic, busy with that. And Rose, uh, for her part, you know, in stepping up when Pat has been gone basically not existing while writing those reviews uh and because igor obviously is on vacation too so the two senior staff have been out of the office so rose did a great job and you know staying late uh, a few hours later in some cases so i kind of wanted her to just hanging go out home. with you uh yeah i do it did appreciate yeah. the company but you know i felt bad that you were here later but i do appreciate you know making sure everything got taken care of so shout out to you both that is a heartwarming that shout really out and, and makes right. me wake up a little more as I, I woke up this morning and realized I had to finish two <laughs> reviews and was like, oh my God, not well, again. I, I couldn't imagine. Like, I mean, the the review, uh, not to just like suck up to you, but like the review was very well done, especially considering you put that together in less than 24 hours. So yeah, it was a um, nightmare. I can't imagine how that would have been. So, <laughs> but I mean, Thanks, that, that speaks to what Rose was talking about before too, like just the way that Apple set this up mm-hmm. with, with the 24 hour review period. Um, I can't help like I like the phone, but I can't help but think that it was somewhat intentional. Yeah. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, you said. That, yeah, I much appreciated. Appreciated shout out. Thank you, Brett. No problem. Thank you. Um, so my shout out uh, goes to Microsoft, and it's not not just about the Xbox One. Um, it's not a Switch minute this week, and it's not a Switch minute. I haven't even had time to think about the <laughs> Nintendo Switch this week, um, or sleep. Uh, so in in particular, I, there's this new feature coming out where original Xbox games are compatible with the Xbox One as well as the Xbox One X. Is that yeah. correct? Um, and on the Xbox One X, some of them have sort of enhanced features. We talked about it before. Um, Halo 3 has 4K, mm-hmm. which is insane. And I had sort of this moment yesterday where I was sitting down and I was playing Halo 3 in 4K. Um, despite the jankiness, it was still really neat where it was this nostalgic moment where I I, I imagine back to when I was um, in high school and that's all I did was play Halo 3 and I spent so many hours after school playing it. Um, if only I could tell my high school self that, like, uh, how many years ago did that game come out? Like 10. 10 years ago. 10 yeah. years in the future, you'd be playing this game in 4K, even though 4K, I wouldn't know what 4K was when I was in high school because it probably didn't exist. Um, you'd be playing this game in 4K on an Xbox One X <laughs> reviewing it. Um, so it's sort of this emotional, interesting, interesting moment for me. Um, and it was fascinating that uh, that was all facilitated by a video game console. <laughs> well, and we're going to get it again uh, next year because uh, 343 Industries is completely like redoing the Master Chief Collection from the ground up. Because yeah. they do, they have been quite candid in feeling bad about how that was bungled at launch. So bad. It man. was broken. Uh, that's a whole side topic. But yeah, they're basically, we're going to get Halos 1, 2, 3, and 4 remastered. In 4K, 4K right? Yeah, built from the ground up for the Xbox One X. So I that's cool. I can't wait to play be excited to play halo one to play it to realize that it hasn't aged very well and to be sad again <laughs> how dare you sir halo combat evolved is still one of the finest uh, first person uh, shooters of all time it has not aged well <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not that fun the other ones are still fun that one was not not great anymore when i played it in the master chief collection um so yeah i, I think that's it for this week uh, i guess we'll run down the various things that we do at the end of the pod rose where can people find us 
They can find us at Mobile Syrup on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, all of those great places. And they can find me at Rose Bahar just on Twitter and barely there. <laughs> when you remember the password. Yeah. Samir, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Samir Chabra 94. And if you are a second year Waterloo software engineering student who plans on uh, jailbreaking the Xbox One X, uh, let me know. I want to write a story about you. That would be fascinating. Please, please contact them. I want them to write this story. That actually sounds very interesting. Uh, I'm at Brad Shankar, B-R-A-D-S-H-A-N-K-A-R. I'm at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke. And I wanted to mention one other thing. You should also review our podcast on iTunes. Good idea. Because um, that helps us with podcast rankings. And uh, I think we may even start reading reviews at some point live on the podcast. Um, but yeah, th- this is probably uh, the last week for a while that I'll be hosting because Igor will be back. So you won't be graced with my monotone <laughs> voice during the hosting period. Um, but yeah, th- thanks for bearing with me. And I'll see everybody next week. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.